0: Hey, good morning, Veritas. Good morning. We're dry. We're not muddy. Glad for that. Um, man, I'm glad these guys um, have led us in worship. You know, yesterday we were talking a little bit, looking at the weather and looking at the mud. Uh, do we do it outside or not? Or whatever. And I was so glad uh, we were on this, like, group call thing. And Mark chimed in at one point and just said, well, we have to worship. One way or another, we got to figure out how to worship. And I'm like, totally, you know, and so... Even this morning, we were going to be outside, you know, called and audible, but here we are gathered, right? And I'm so glad, and all those songs, just all about Jesus. So here's the deal. I don't, I don't have like a, a full-blown message with graphics and all that stuff because we we're going to be outside, you know, in a mud lot. Um, but there's a meditation that I do want to bring you that just came to me uh, this last week. want to jump into the word real quick, though. I do want to say, um, if you're interested at all... Uh, next April, we're going to be doing a study tour where we're going to go to Israel and also Greece. And uh, we'll, we'll tell you more about it later, but we're going to be mentioning the Kidron Valley here. And there, uh, it made me think of, man, when you're there in Jerusalem and you can see the Kidron Valley and the garden there and all that. Anyway, if any of you are interested, there is some more information at Info Central and we'll get some more word out. Or you can even just get, get to us through the contact thing and, and we'll get you some information. But just wanted to let you know about that. Um, but here's the deal. The reason that I uh, I think was kind of caught up by I'm gonna be in the book of John, by the way, why I was caught up with this passage in John 17 this week. Because it was just in my Bible reading, right? This this week wasn't gonna be part of our Apostles' Creed study. We were just gonna have a standalone time out, out there in the yard. And this last week, I was praying about different ones of you, actually several of you, because I've I've walked with many of you who even right now, even this week, even coming into today, are carrying some pretty heavy burdens, and we've talked, and we prayed, and opened the Word together. Um, some of you in the room right now, um, it's pretty significant marriage issues, and man, a, a feeling of desperation, you know, as, as you're trying to walk through that. Some of you, some medical things. Uh, we, either, we even gathered, our elders gathered a, a family together just this last Sunday and, and prayed over them because, man, it was just like bam, 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 this like domino effect of just some really pretty significant medical things going on and just, it's heavy, it's burdensome. Uh, conflict of different kinds. Anyway, as, as I've just, I, I was just kind of going through this string of, of different things that were pretty heavy on my heart because I know they're heavy on your heart's praying through those things, and then just in my Bible read-through, a couple of guys and I were just reading through the Bible together, and I came upon John 17. Well, John 17 is this just epic chapter. It's just Jesus praying, and, and the insights that you get out of John 17 as, as you lean in to listen to how Jesus is praying to the Father is, man, if you haven't read through or prayed through John 17 later, I, I want to encourage you, especially those of you who feel very burdened by some things, I'm actually not going to walk through John 17, but here's what caught my attention, guys. Um, The very first verse of John 17 says this. Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, and et cetera. And he goes into this prayer. Well, here's what caught my attention. It starts off, Jesus spoke these things. And apparently that's what then gave him the impulse to pray the way that he does in John 17. So that baited the question, what are the these things that he just got done saying that got him to pray the way that he does in John 17, right? And so all I did was, you know, this is not rocket science. I just glanced up a few verses to see what had just been said. So look at John 16. I'm going to start reading for you in verse um, 28. He says this, He's talking to the disciples. He said, I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I'm leaving the world and and going to the Father. So his disciples said, verse 29, oh, look, now you're speaking plainly. Now you're not using any figurative language. Now we know that you know everything, and you don't need anyone to question you. By this, we believe, man, we believe that you came from God. And Jesus re- responded to them. I put a little smiley face in my margin by this. Jesus responded to them, oh, do you now believe? Like, <laughs> oh, so that's the thing. That's just what locked it in. Okay. I think we've had this conversation before. You know what I mean? Like several times, even through the Gospel of John. Oh, now we believe, now we believe. And then maybe not so much. Oh, now we believe, you know. And But guys, even the way he says, oh, do you now believe? The reason I put a smiley face is I don't think he's mad. I don't think he's irritated. I don't think he's saying that harshly it's just oh okay now now you believe sweet bring it that's a sweet you know verse 32 though indeed an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home and you will leave me alone alone right yet i'm not alone because the father's with me And I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have sufferings in this world, but be courageous. I've conquered the world. So just a couple thoughts um, that I have about, about this little insight that I had, you know, just this fun little moment that Jesus gave me this last week. And the first one might sound kind of negative, but it's more like a reality check. Here's what I wrote down. People have a really short empathy battery life. People people generally, I mean, not you, but other people, have a really short empathy battery life, okay? And by that, here, here's the thing. we People are talking these days about the difference between empathy and sympathy and all that. Em- empathy, the, the idea of empathy is that you can vicariously, like, feel other people's pain. You can, you can like, absorb other people's trials. You you get it. Like, you know people that are either kind of sympathizing with you, like, oh, that's too bad, pat, 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 versus, oh, man. And you, you can feel them kind of absorb, right? Like, truly reflect what's going on in your soul, and they get it at that level. Well, people only have a pretty short little battery life on that, right? They're like, Jesus, I believe. I'm with you, right? And it's just like, Totally, I believe you. Actually, it won't last very long. Um, when I really need you the most, because what's about to happen, right? As, as you flip the page, you know it's about to, he's about to go into the time of crucifixion. When I really need your support the most, actually, you're, you're gonna ditch me, you know? <laughs> it, it sounds great. I'm glad you're all in for this moment. It, it's probably not gonna last long. You don't have much of a battery life. Um, again, he's not bitter, not discouraged or disappointed or shocked, And it just made me start going on this little thought. And I want to ask you, have you ever felt that, you guys? Have you ever felt like, man, when you needed people the most, even some people that maybe even gave you lip service, like, man, I'm with you through it all. Man, I'm never going to leave your side. I'm going to, right? And then, like, a week later or something, you're like, does anybody remember? I'm still in this trial. Like, I'm still, and people, have you ever felt that? Now, before I lead you down too big of a path of bitterness and resentment toward people as they come to mind right now, I'll bet you've done the same thing. So this is what Jesus had to do with me this past week. Because I started going down that path of, totally, I get you, Jesus, these guys, you know, and then it was like Jesus held this big mirror up, right? Oh, actually, that's you. And I started thinking through different ones that I've said, oh man, I'll be praying for you. I'm with you. Man, I'm going to. I even thought, honestly, I thought of my, my, one of my sisters in law passed away a few years ago. And I remember saying to her husband, Dean, we're with you, man, heart and soul. Yeah, we're... And I was like, what? Actually, when was the last time I picked up the phone? And, you know what I'm saying? Several people came to mind that I made big. Heartfelt. I wasn't being a hypocrite. I really meant it. It's just my battery life of empathy runs out pretty quick. Um, here's, here's the reason I felt like Jesus was walking me through this. Um, I've got to not hold people to a higher level of responsibility for empathy than they can actually carry out. And I can't hold people more responsible for something that I myself can't meet that expectation. Does that make sense? Like I appropriately want to lower my expectations on people because I know not only are they weak, I'm weak. I get it. And that should appropriately help me to live with understanding, right? They they can't live up to it. I can't live up to that standard. And I thought of 1st Peter 4 because in 1st Peter 4 it says this. The end of all things is near, right? If things are bad. Therefore be alert, be sober-minded, pray. But then he says this, above all love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. 1 Peter 4. Guys, the reason I think Jesus is not irritated or frustrated or what he's like, yeah, you guys, I know, and you're going to come around. I know you will, but it's okay. I get it. <laughs> um it helped me. It it helped me because of what I'm about to say so I lower my expectations on my friends, my family, whoever that I think should be stronger in empathy and walk with me more deeply than they than they do. It helped me because I realized next as I meditated on this, Jesus empathy battery is like inexhaustible. Jesus on the other hand, everybody else me short battery life. When it comes to empathy and like really leaning in and actually never leaving me and fully understanding what I go through, Jesus' battery life on empathy is through the roof. In fact, I want to go to the other side of John 17. Go to John 18, because after Jesus' prayers, you know, I I love that, you know, Jesus spoke these things in verse one of 17. What things? We're looking at that. Now, after he said these things, the prayer, chapter 18, verse one, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley where there was a garden, And his disciples went into it. Okay, so he gets them praying, and he says, hey guys, come with me, leads them very specifically across the valley into this garden. Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. Okay, so look at the way John's setting this up. Jesus making a beeline for the garden, knowing also Judas would do the very same thing. He would make a beeline for that garden. Why? Because verse three, so Judas took a company of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees and came there with lanterns, torches, and what's the next word? Weapons. And weapons. But look at this. Verse four. Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, who is it you're seeking? Okay. By the way, there's this cool moment where he says, I am, and all the soldiers fall down. Anyway, that's... I don't have time for all that, but I just did take the time. Anyway, um, check out what John is saying. It's not like Jesus said, hey, come on, let's go hide in that garden. Oh, no, there's Judas. Let's run. You know, it, no, knowing exactly that that is where Judas would go and that Judas would be accompanied with soldiers, hypocritical religious leaders, and weapons, Jesus not only went to the garden, but when he saw them entering the garden, walked right up to him and said, oh, are you, are you looking for me? Here I am. It is stunning to me then, I want you to think about this, that in chapter 17, he's not praying about the trial that he himself is about to enter, knowing the whole time he's going to enter it. John 17, and I hope you read it later on in this week, he's praying for you and me. He's preoccupied with you and me. The whole prayer in John 17 is not for himself. Guys, I'm just thinking, if I knew I was actually proactively going to step into an ambush and be taken hostage and eventually killed, what would be on my mind the whole time in the moments leading up to that? Me, right? Right? Jesus, the empathy meter, is going because the whole of John 17 is actually praying for you, praying for things like, again, we won't read it all, but look, look down at verse 15. Of, now I'm back in chapter 17. Part of his prayer, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one, he says in verse 15. In other words, for protection, not so much that he remove us out of trial, but that the evil one wouldn't be able to tempt us, deceive us, give us lies along the way, that we'd be able to hold true to the Lord, right? He prays for things like unity. Look at verse 11. I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them. There it is again. Protect them by your name. That they may be one as we are one. You know why? Because here's what trials do. They tend to divide us. Nobody understands me. Why aren't they? And even you know, even within a family or something, you think differently about how we should handle it. So praying for unity, he's empathetically like, hey, you're, they're going to be going through trials. Here's what they're going to need. Father, would you give them a sense of unity, like a supernatural power to find unity when normally this would be a divisive thing? Look, look at verse 13. He prays this in verse 13. I'm coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have joy. My joy complete. Praise for joy. Have you ever had these trials where all of a sudden, Totally supernaturally, you find a joy welling up in your heart in the midst of just darkness. That's because Jesus is supernaturally just popping some joy in your heart when it seems like the most unnatural thing to have. Last one, look at look at verse 20, one of the other things he's praying. He's praying for I ones at this point, right? Verse 20, I pray not only for these that are right here in my midst, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. I'm going to pray that these trials that they're about to go to would end up actually expanding the gospel to so it would get all the way to Iowa, right? I, I'm praying that even Iowans come to know Christ because of what's about to happen to these dudes right there. Like, he's praying for a, a global outreach. Guys, here's what I'm saying. I might have some friends that don't get exactly what I'm going through and maybe walk away or their battery life of inner in just kind of runs a little low. Jesus is so on point with everything I'm going to need, right? He knows exactly what trials do to me naturally, and he's praying that I'll have protection, unity, joy, that even somehow pe- people will be reached. Like people come to Christ because of the trials that we go through. That's, it's a stunning realization, but that's exactly what happens. And Jesus is like, you know, I love, we, we, we studied the book of Hebrews not long ago. Chapter 13, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's what Jesus says there, right? And that's what's going on here in the book of John. Yeah, people might scatter. Jesus is like, I'm never, ever going to leave you. So the, the bottom line, here's what we're going to end with. So, so if that's true, people are going to be weak. Don't be overly discouraged by that. Love them anyway. Jesus will always be there, so be courageous. Look, look it back at, at those last verses of chapter 16, you know, where he says, yeah, you're going to leave me alone, but the end of verse 32, yet I'm not alone. I'm not alone, because the Father's with me. And I've told you these things, so that in me, you may have peace. Here's what he's saying. The way that right now, the reason I'm cool, I'm, I, I'm able to step into this next Of trial, it's because the father is never leaving. I've got him. And now here's what I'm telling you. I'm gonna do the same for you. The way that the father has walked me, taken me by the hand, and he's he's walking me through this. I'm gonna be there for you. I've got your back. And whatever's coming coming your way, man. I'm never gonna leave you. I'm gonna be there that you may have peace. And then look at what he says next. You will have suffering in this world. You will. I'm not gonna pull any punches, I'm not gonna pretend anything. I'm going into my level of trial, but you got yours coming for you. You are going to have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I've conquered the world. Be courageous. Man, that can sound overly simplistic. Like, be courageous. You know? <laughs> well, what gets us to be courageous? How can we find courage in our heart knowing that we're going to suffer in this world? It's because Jesus is like, oh, I'm never taking my eyes off you. You will not walk through this alone. You won't. There's a favorite passage around here. In fact, we're going to study it in just a few weeks, Romans 8. Let me just read a few of the verses out of Romans 8. I consider that the sufferings of this present time aren't worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. And, and what are we to say about these things? Look, if God's for us, who's against us? Bring it on. God, God's god got my back. Jesus has my back. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? And see if your your thing is in this list. Can affliction or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? Look, because if you were being put to death all day long, we're counted as sheep to be slaughtered. Like, we've all got a shelf life, right? So, something's going to take me out of this world. We, we count it as, as just common. We're... We're going to end. Something's going to happen, and it might be treacherous, and it might be scary. I know that. But you know what? In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm persuaded neither death nor life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come that we don't even see yet, powers, height, depth, nothing else. No other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord, which got me to think, okay, last thought. We're going through the Apostles' Creed right now, right? A couple of weeks ago, we hit this one line where we said, you know what I believe? I believe that on the third day, Jesus rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father. Okay, when we say that we believe that Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of God, what's he doing there? Is he just chilling? You know what I mean? Is he say, sweet, my job is done. Put his feet up on a little hassock, you know, or an angel or something. I don't know what, you know, like... Just, oh man, that was hard. Is, is he sitting at the right hand? Does that mean just at re- leisurely? No, you know what? What we know to be true, the reason he's at the Father's right hand is because he, he's continually interceding and praying for us. All this stuff that he prays in John 17, again, I hope you read it later. I hope this just baits you into just bathing in John 17. He's gonna be praying that stuff all the time for you. You know why? Because these trials just keep rolling out. They're rolling out all the time right here in this room. And when those things happen, Jesus is going to be like, oh, wait, you know what? Eric really, needs, Eric really needs protection. There's some lies coming at him from this stuff that he's going through. Father, just protect him from that stuff because I, I don't want him to believe stuff like that. Shane and Sam, they might feel divided because of stuff going on, and, and there might be a, a you know conflict between them because they think differently about But, oh, you know what? Father, give them a unity that will just supersede anything that's natural at all, right? Would it be true actually that people come to Christ? Because, like, not just for, I'm not praying just for these guys. Man, people are going to hear about the way these guys depend on Jesus. And man, maybe others will come. Jesus is there constantly aware, sits at the right hand of God praying for you, praying for joy. That all of a sudden, out of the blue, you're like, this is crazy. People keep asking me how I'm doing. I'm actually better than I should be. And I can't even understand that, but I think God's doing something. I think God's pouring some joy. I think he's got a big vat of joy, and he's just kind of, just, right? When we say about Jesus, he'll never leave you, never forsake you, understand, not in a passive way, in an active way, he is watching, and you have never escaped his notice. Is that crazy? You have never escaped escaped his notice. He is on alert. He's not kicked back. So Christian, be courageous. Be courageous. I don't know what you're going through right now or what you're about to go through. By the power of God, I want to say, be courageous because Jesus has conquered the world and he's praying for you right now. So what I want to do is actually join him in praying for you. So will you stand with me and uh, we're going to sing some more. And as we as we stand, let's get into a posture of prayer. Just imagining right now that Jesus is at the right hand of his father, watching and listening. And he's speaking up on your behalf. And And just even now, Maybe there really are people um, who have disappointed you. And I want you to right now just begin by clearing the deck and forgiving all those people the way that Jesus taught us, right? Guys, they're not built to carry your burdens. They're not. Nor are you built to carry others' burdens. You can for a while. Look, Jesus is the only one that can truly, truly do that. So just Have a posture of forgiveness. Let those people come to mind and just forgive them right now. Just just clear that, let let love cover a multitude of sins. Man, if, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I just, dude, I don't know how you go through trials without knowing that Jesus is watching over you. and He loved you so much. He went through the worst of things for you. He took your sin upon himself. Like, this is, this is the Jesus you can trust. Oh, let this be the day. Say, Jesus, I, I need you. I want you at my side. I want you forgiving me so that I can forgive. I, I, I just need you. I want the whole package. I want, I want you on my side, Jesus. I'll just say that to him right now. He's so leaning in to bring you new life. Guys, Jesus will never disappoint. He will never leave us. What can this world bring? (laughs) We can trust him. Jesus, you are unbelievable, just incredible to our minds. Just these few little verses this last week kind of changed my life. Again, there they've sat all these days and I reread them and and just, man, you just opened my eyes and I, I pray that, Lord, you'd use these words to spark hope and trust and life and courage, courage into a whole lot of hearts. So now hear us as we worship you. We love you. I'm so glad we got to worship you today, Jesus. So glad the rain couldn't stop us. The mud couldn't stop us because you deserve it. And we're glad to be here to worship you. In your name we pray.